Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to This Week in FCPA. Episode 143 for the week ending February 22, 2019, the London Homesick Blues Edition. First, a word from our sponsor, Affiliated Monitors. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors provides professional, independent integrity monitoring and ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally and across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and cultures, Affiliated Monitor is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in over 750 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's ethics and compliance program, visit our sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at www.affiliatedmonitors.com. Today I pulled a solo duty tour as I'm in London and Jay and I could not coordinate our schedules. We take a look at, or rather I take a look at, the Swedish court who let the Telia executives walk free in the face of a massive bribery scandal. Look at how bad things are at Tesla. Reflections on the Cognizant Technologies declination. And the criminal indictments of the CEO and GC of Cognizant. What will be the global impact, or rather the impact of a global Magnitsky Act? How GIGO is still relevant today. Allison Taylor continues her great run of pieces on the relationship of companies and suppliers uh, in the FCPA blog. How do you protect the attorney-client privilege in the Fifth Amendment? Donske Bank gets kicked out of Estonia. I review my five-part podcast series with, uh, with Pat Harned from the ECI this week on the company's 2018 Global Business Ethics Survey and some final reflections on my week in London. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist. This Week in FCPA is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. The first story this week deals with the disappointing result in the Swedish trial of three former Tilia executives who ran the bribery scheme for Tilia in Uzbekistan. And they were all acquitted and set free by the Swedish trial court, uh, who did not find that their prosecutor's evidence of a state-owned or state entity connection with the daughter of the president for life of Uzbekistan, Gulnarya Karanova, was sufficiently proved, apparently not believing that she was connected with the government. Uh, instead, the court finding her as simply a independent businesswoman. Pretty damning uh, result for the Swedish courts. There's quite a bit of commentary this week on the cognizant FCPA declination. Matt Kelly, uh, in a second part of a two-part series, wrote a very interesting piece where he really focused on the board of directors and how the board stepped in uh, literally uh, at the snap of a finger to self-report less than two weeks after discovering the trouble at the company of the uh, alleged bribes paid by senior management. He discussed a couple of the board members and really talked about and used it as a way to talk about that if your board does not embrace ethical conduct, then you still risk putting a target on your back when allegations are brought to them. So a great couple of pieces by Matt. Mike Volkoff went through a four-part blog post series 
Uh, he and I also uh, discussed this on a special bonus episode of the FCPA Compliance Report, which was released on Sunday of this week. And Mike had some interesting lessons uh, learned that he took away. Uh, he picked up, of course, on the, C- the board of directors role, but also recognized C- C- C-suite risks where you have executives who can override or simply ignore internal controls. The risk in the construction industry worldwide because of the number of government interactions needed to obtain permits for construction jobs, sub-agents and sub-distributors who can be involved, and then finally, fake and false invoicing. Lots of lessons learned from this case, and I hope you will uh, study it and take a listen to the podcast that Mike and I did on this case. There was also more information released about the arrest of two former Cognizant uh, Technologies uh, senior executives, uh, Gordon Corbin, the former company president, and Stephen Schwartz, its chief legal officer. Sam Rubenfeld and Dave Michaels took a detailed look at it from, uh, or rather, in the Wall Street Journal, Risk and Compliance Journal. So take a look at that. Uh, rarely do we have the CEO or president of the company and the general counsel involved in the bribery scheme, but we had that in this case. So something that uh, we're certainly going to watch uh, with interest. What about your relationship with your suppliers? Well, Allison Taylor cont- continues her stunning uh, run of great blog posts uh, with a uh, blog post entitled, Large Companies Have a Key Role in Strengthening Small Supplier Integrity. And the thing that's uh, really most interesting about this is it does not discuss the legal requirements around compliance, but the business reasons around compliance, so that when you have a, a large company who signs up suppliers or other third parties, their role is really to drive down compliance through the supply chain. The reason to do so is not only the legal perspective, but also from the business perspective. Having companies that uh, engage in bribery uh, or don't engage in bribery corruption and have robust compliance programs makes for better partners, and it makes for a more efficient business operation. So kudos once again to Allison Taylor for her article. Uh, Next, we switch over to AI. And I was really interested in an article which appeared in Corporate Compliance Insights from Heidi Meyer from, let's see, Heidi is with the, she's the Executive Director of Compliance, Government, Governance, and Oversight Council. And uh, she really uh, goes through, I thought, was uh, a basic thing that I learned in, uh, I think it was called computer science when I took it in college, which is GIGO, which is garbage in, garbage out. And even with AI or artificial intelligence, you have to have uh, quality of data going in so that you can exercise or obtain the potential of AI and machine learning. So the quality of your data is going to be significant. Uh, You should inventory your data organization, eliminate redundant, obsolete, and trivia data, catalog the remaining data, integrate the data from multiple sources, create data flow that is automatically synchronized and secure and protect strategic data. It's a really interesting exploration of a very old concept. And once again, I was pleased to see GIGO still lives. Next up, we have an article from Ryan Lovelace writing in Law.com about the resignation of Tesla General Counsel, Dane 
Butzwinkus, who was at the job for only two months. Uh, he has returned to his previous job, which was a partner at Williams and Connolly. Uh, this type of information or this type of um, departure from a normal company, and Tesla is certainly not a normal company, would certainly be a very dramatic event. But he's really just one of multiple C, uh, senior executives who departed the company over the past 18 months. Obviously, it's a very challenging uh, place to work, and with Elon Musk running it, you have to wonder uh, how close um, Mr. Boot. Putzwinskas thought it was to the edge of legality or not. But never a good sign when somebody leaves after two months with that's the general counsel. That's previously where we saw the CFO leave after one month. So whatever's going on there, it's certainly not good. Next up from Kelly Swanson over at the Global Investigation Reviews. She takes a look at the potential impact of a global Magnitsky Act. As non-government organizations who lobby the U.S. to place individuals on sanctions believe that a global Magnitsky Act would help to turn to punish corporations in cases uh, which are really beyond the scope of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Certainly, uh, or rather, sanctioned experts have told Kelly as part of this article that uh, it has already thwarted uh, corrupt uh, politicians and that the continued use by the Department of Justice uh, is not only faster than an FCPA enforcement action, but it really uh, helps to shut out uh, U.S. dollars from those who've engaged in bribery and corruption. So great article uh, by Kelly uh, Swanson over at uh, Global Investigations Review. Next up, we have an article about, or rather by Dan Portnov, uh, writing in the Grand Jury Target. He laid out the basics of congressional investigations. The, uh, with the change in uh, political parties running the House, there are certainly going to be uh, many more hearings by the House Democrats than there were under the uh, Republican leadership of Paul Ryan. And while they will certainly focus on the administration and the corruption in the administration and collusion by the administration, uh, they're also going to take a look at corporations. So uh, Dan is correct in pointing out this is something that you need to be involved with uh, from the legal and compliance perspective and getting ready for. So a great, uh, once again, great piece by Dan. uh, And uh, Sarah's cross blog post is always good. Over on the... New York University Compliance and Enforcement blog was a very interesting piece by John Savarisi and Carol Miller, who are attorneys at, or rather, uh, uh, I'm sorry, attorneys at Wachtell Lipton in New York, taking a look at protecting the attorney-client privilege and respecting Fifth Amendment rights while cooperating with the government. This is something that has become a greater and larger problem, really starting with uh, I'm not sure when it quite started, but it was uh, certainly crystallized by the Yates memo. And what are the consequences for um, corporate governance and investigation of corporate crimes if a court finds that uh, the fear of being fired is enough to implement the Fifth Amendment? That's fear of being fired from a private corporation. Remember, if the internal investigation is essentially outsourced by the Department of Justice, does that change the character and nature of the investigation such that uh, federal criminal procedural protection should be put in place? 
So it's a really interesting article, and I would certainly commend this uh, to you going forward. We end the articles today with three short pieces. First of all, uh, Danske Bank, uh, cont- woes continue at his, as it was kicked out of uh, Estonia by the Central Bank Authority of Estonia. And uh, almost in breaking news, the serious fraud office in the United Kingdom announced that it was dropping its investigation into Rolls-Royce and GlaxoSmithKline over uh, prior bribery allegations, of course, GSK got in trouble in China in 2013, paid a $500 million fine in, uh, to the Chinese government. There was a small fine by the Securities and Exchange Commission in the United States of approximately $20 million, but no corresponding fine from the SFO. For them to close an investigation, saying there was no evidence of bribery and corruption is, frankly, almost unbelievable considering the uh, allegations that were brought forward, not only by the Chinese uh, government and Chinese investigators, but brought forward in the uh, short show trial put on by Chinese prosecutors. Nevertheless, the SFO, uh, once again, does not bring bribery and corruption charges against uh, individuals or GlaxoSmithKline. Also, they have dropped their investigation into Rolls-Royce, perhaps not as unbelievably as their... um, dropping their investigation into uh, GlaxoSmithKline, but uh, nevertheless uh, still pretty amazing that they couldn't seem to get any individuals at Rolls-Royce lined up for prosecution given the company paid a nearly $900 million fine to government of the United Kingdom, Brazil, and the United States over violations of both or, or corruption laws in those three countries. I had a really interesting five-part podcast series this week with Pat Harned, uh, the CEO over at the Ethics and Compliance Initiative, ECI. We took a look at ECI's 2018 Global Business Ethics Survey, which is released in four parts each year, uh, one in each quarter. And so we took a look at uh, Q1's release, the State of Ethics and Compliance in the Workplace, Q2's release, measuring the impact of ethics and compliance programs. Q3's, building companies where values and ethical conduct matter. And Q4, interpersonal misconduct in the workplace, what it is, where it occurs, and what you should do about it. In the concluding episode released on Friday on Part 5, we took a look at some final reflections and took a look at where compliance may be headed into the future. It's really a fascinating exploration of what ECI has turned up. There's lots of great information for you and your compliance program in this. And I would commend you to take a listen to the podcast series, and then we link to the full report, which you can download as well. Finally, uh, on Thursday of this coming week, uh, myself and Louis Sapperman will join Sean Friedland of Hanzo for a sponsored webinar in the intersection of corporate compliance programs and corporate communication and marketing. Learn about knocking down silos and using social media in your compliance program. I've linked to the registration and agenda in the show notes. It's free, and I hope you'll join Lewis, myself, and Sean for a really fascinating exploration. Uh, we are going to take a look at knocking down silos over the uh, the year uh, at Hanzo. Uh, I'm consulting with them, and so I hope you will uh, take a look at this uh, webinar and see what information you may have. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of This Week in FCPA, the London Homesick Blues edition. 
I hope you'll join myself and Jay Rosen, Mr. Monitors, next week when we both get back together to take a look at some of next week's top compliance and ethics stories. This Week in FCPA is a presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network.
This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of This Week in FCPA, and I hope you enjoyed Pamela Ferris-Walsh, who joined us today. If you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. You can email Jay at jrosen at affiliatedmonitors.com. Hope you'll join Jay and I again next week where we take a look at some of the week's top compliance and ethics stories. This Week in FCPA is a presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.